welcome to tonight's special event at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, fashion commentator, creative director, and producer, Kinvara Balfour. Hello. Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. So nice to see so many of you. Before we welcome our guest on stage, we're going to sit and take a little look at her in action. My name is Sandra Choi, I'm the creative director at Jimmy Choo. I think the Jimmy Choo woman is, is every woman, is everyone around us. She is savvy, she evolved with time, she loves her fashion, she has got a sense of strength and she's one that can be actually quite funny. We take inspiration trips with my design team and that's rather incredible. We go to galleries, concerts, music, films, we take all those things from everywhere. The most important advice that I've been given are two things. One is to believe in what you do and second thing is to make beautiful things. The Jimmy Choo men respect design, he loves craftsmanship but at the same time he enjoys that twist of fun. Being the creative director, it touches every single creative aspect to the company, whether it's to do product, brand image, or the colour of the packaging. Having been here for 16 years, I've lived and worked and grown up for this brand. I've learned so much. What is to come for my new role, it will be very exciting because finally I can actually put my mark to a brand or a place that I've known so well. Ladies and gentlemen, she's the driving force behind one of the most loved and successful global luxury brands in the world. Please welcome to the stage, creative director of Jimmy Choo, Sandra Choi. Hello, everybody. I'd just like to start and say it's an absolute pleasure for me to be with Sandra. I, I've, I've known the Jimmy Choo brand from its when it first began. I used to work for a designer called Thomas Darzhevsky, where we basically made clothes for <laughs> Princess Diana and Sarah Duchess of York and Queen Rania of Jordan. And we would go to this place called Jimmy Choo and get couture shoes made. And that was probably, that was 1996, 1997? Just before 1996. And here we are. And look where you've come. And look what a global brand. It's just, it's an amazing thing. So I'm very honored to have you on here. And it felt excited. like yesterday. <laughs> well, for me too, actually. So I'm going to start with a little quote from your friend, the actress Tandy Newton who's one of your biggest supporters, and I thought it would just be nice to hear what she has to say. Whether it's small talk or impromptu speeches, Sandra is one of the most impressive women I have met in fashion. She makes being the head of a luxe accessories empire look very natural. She is an inspiration. <laughs> so that's from Tandy, and I'm sure that by the end of this talk, we will all see what she's talking about, because Sandra, for me, is, is a huge inspiration. I'm going to ask you where it all began, how it started in that workshop with Jimmy in the East End, <laughs> making couture shoes for Princess Diana to now a global luxury brand that sells 100,000 million shoes, bags, products around the world. How did it start for you? For me, it was a training ground in a workshop, really. Um, I learned how to make shoes with Jimmy. Um, 
one of the things that he really taught me was balance and the real um, structure of the shoe. And it started like that, learning just the basic. And then um, we had an opportunity of taking the, the, the label itself to a place where we don't make shoes by hands anymore. We can actually make it with, um, with uh, factories in Italy. So when you first began, you were literally using couture lasts for personal we were, customers. We had lasts that we adapt. And um, that's how you, how, you, how you learn the structure of the shoes. And you cut the pattern and uh, you choose a different material. Like Thomas's customer would actually come and engage us and to do that whole process. And this was a very new thing at the time, the idea of having a, sh a couture shoe made. Yes, I suppose so. That was probably what? 18, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, that is even rarer. But to get that level of luxury and quality at the time, I mean, you guys are one of the first brands that took that concept of luxury, couture, bespoke service through to the mainstream while still keeping an idea of quality. At the time, well, it wasn't, no one was really doing it. Well, that was one of the key things that when we first started Jimmy brand itself, quality and the way that we engage our customer or we set our customer is one of the key things that we want, really want to carry through. And I like to say in today's format, we still have that going within the uh, Jimmy Choo world. Um, so going back to the beginning of the story, I, I myself at, wanted to go to college um, in London to get into fashion. And um, Jimmy is my uncle by marriage because he is married to my aunt. Um, naturally, I went and lived with them and learned the trade. And then when the school thing came along, when I was supposed to go to school, I got into St. Martin, but I gave that up. Uh, and what did, you, what did you start studying at St. Martin's? What were you, which course were you on? I wanted to get into fashion. Right. Um, and I did. And um, I gave that up because I was too drawn to running the workshop and actually mm. being part of that really exciting um, helping out um, process. Right, right. So you had an apprenticeship there ready-made for exactly. you. Exactly. Although it was more than an apprenticeship because I was there. You were pretty much <laughs> running the show. It was a small team of people um, doing whatever we had to do. And then we had the opportunity of taking the whole thing to Italy and getting things made out of factories. And it was hard at the beginning because this is back in 1995, 1996, where fashion in London was difficult at the time and there are designers they want to get things made but not all the time the factories want to entertain anybody who's new and upcoming and so on and um, we knock on many doors and eventually through determination we um, managed to engage factories to start making the designs and this is back in 1996 and look where you are today it's just incredible um, you, you were one of the first companies to basically use the red carpet as the catwalk. Something that I've always really respected with Jimmy Choo is that you're, you're addressing, I mean, celebrities around the world. Not that we care just about celebrities, and I'm really, really adamant about that. Everybody in, in, the, in the world, any customer, as I'm sure you'll agree, is as important as the, each other. Mm. But from somewhere along the line, from being in a, in a workshop in the East End to where you are now, somehow you you made something new happen in the whole world of fashion, which was to find celebrities and use them really as huge endorsers of the brand and to use the red carpet as a catwalk, which has become 
So, so, it's so much a catwalk. How did that come about? Whose idea was that? And how did you take hold of that opportunity? It happened organically. We did many things organically. We listened to our gut feeling and we just went for it. Um, thinking back about the whole celebrity thing, it started when we um, opened our store in LA back in 99. January 99, we opened the store. And um, the, the Oscar, um, the, sorry, <laughs> the Academy, as they put it, happens at the end of February. So we immediately, we, we felt as though that there is an effect whereby stylists were coming to the stores wanting to borrow shoes, to book out shoes so that they can actually run around town trying to dress their, their clients. And we felt, hold on a minute, they're interrupting the, the stock in the store because at the time that was our second store after New York opening. Okay. And um, we saw the demand, so we thought, let's take lots of shoes out to LA and let's start working with the stylist. And that, that was the whole beginning of the process because we just felt, hold on a minute, this is what the demand is, let's, go, let's feed it them. And so for a brand like Jimmy Choo, so you're basically arriving in, in, in LA mm. and you're battling against countless brands to get your product on one of the actresses or actors that are walking up the red carpet. When that actually happens and people do respond and wear your shoes, how does that feel and what impact does that have on a business? You kind of feel like that you've won. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Very much, I mean, we're very lucky. Seriously, the, the celebrities, they can wear anything and they choose to wear our brand and that is pretty much an honor. Um, and besides, sometimes, and again, I mean, they can wear anything they want, but the fact that they choose us is great, but the customer choose us as well, paying out of their own pocket, and yeah. that is pretty satisfying. I think that's obviously what we've seen is that you are, there is a huge appetite for your products around the world season after season, year after year, and people are actually living in them, wearing them. It wasn't just a one-hit wonder, it wasn't just a fad. It's actually become a part of modern life, this brand from, from Jimmy and the workshop. I think it was, it was an idea of shoes. Now it's very much, I mean, if you guys know what we really cover, I mean, we have recently launched into men's shoes, and we do perfume, we do scarves, eyewear, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there are, there is, it is, quite powerful the way that the brand has been built and mm -hmm. the name itself I think is beyond just shoes yeah it is so your new campaign you've been working with Nicole Kidman one mm -hmm. of the biggest celebrities in the world um, I was going to ask you a little bit about why you chose to work with her in fact you know what we'll take a look at the we'll take a mm -hmm. look at the behind the scenes shoot of your new campaign with Nicole first and then we'll talk a bit about that as you can hear the ocean <laughs> and we're shooting the cruise selection I think because it's for the holiday season and it's very up and happy what's great about doing this is that you can draw from references and to draw from someone like Bardot is fabulous she was a very very strong cinematic presence but I think she was also a world presence in terms of setting a style in the same way that Audrey Hepburn and Grace Kelly and all these people set their styles my favorite shoe is the Sunday, and not because that's the name of my child. But I also just love the elegance of the shoe, and I love ankle straps. There's something about wearing ankle straps 
that make you feel feminine. They feel very girly, which is kind of nice. All my girlfriends are all like, oh my God, we love Jimmy Choo. Can you get us a Jimmy Choo's? I think there's just something with women in shoes, right? It's the luxury, it's the femininity, and it's the attention to detail. I mean, you can put a lot of work into your dress, but if you really have the right shoe and bag, then you feel good. I'm quite lucky because my foot size is small for my height. I suppose that's also why I've been partial to shoes. You know, tall women shy away from wearing heels, but I don't. I like to have the luxury of just putting on something that's really high because I feel sexier. The most memorable party was 1999. I was in the middle of shooting Moulin Rouge and I wore really, really high silver shoes that came off halfway through the evening, of course. If I'm in the mood, I'm the girl that will dance on the table with a snake. I have been known to be the party girl of all party girls, but... I'm proud of that, though. I like to have the spirit. I'm proud of being able to go, okay, I'm up for anything. And if that means diving in the ocean at midnight naked, I'll do it. So that was Nicole Kidman, behind the scenes shoot for your new campaign. Take me through how you go around about selecting someone like that for a campaign that's so global for such a big brand and what, what role do you take in that? Well, being a creative director, you naturally take those, um, be part of that decision making um, because it's very important to protect the image and how you express the, the, the brand message. Um, Nicole, the selection for Nicole was quite natural. The, only thing that I said when um, we came to picking her was as long as she'll play the role that I want to portray the girl. And that was back for, that was going back to the autumn winter campaign. Uh, so the campaign just before this. She is a great actress. I mean, of the time that I have grown up anyway. And to be able to convey herself in the character that we wanted to portray in the different seasons She's definitely the right choice. She's the, the modern siren. She, she's a mom. And at the same time, she has fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she, she's a good laugh. And I just thought that it was a great choice of person. And when you're, when you're in your role as the creative director, are you, you're on the shoot, you're, you're directing everything and making sure it looks how you look? Or is there a certain point when you have to let go with something so big and just say, everybody can do their thing. I mean, obviously you work with the top directors, the top photographers. How involved are you? Behind the scene, there is a big team of people <laughs> who yeah. produce everything that you see nowadays. Um, it's the end product. It's the end product that is most important and the little details. I mean, there are options, but there are only so many hours in a day that you can actually um, squeeze as much as you can into getting the material that you need. So. Right. We, we tend to work really hard through the day and try to catch, especially shooting outside, get, catch the light of the day and, and the natural um, surrounding. Okay. Um, the re end result, we try to make everything look cohesive. Mm -hmm. And again, that takes time and that takes lots of different experts in um, making the process happen. And aside from your working on the campaigns, what does it... For a creative director of a brand like this, what is your, I'm sure no day is the same, and I'm not gonna ask you the old, what inspires you? But what does your day entail? How, how does a brand, how does, uh, for you in a, in a role like this, how do you keep in touch with everything that's going on and how far ahead do you work? I know you're a prolific sketcher and 
very, very hands-on when it comes to the design process. How far ahead are you working? And, and I know you've traveled a lot. You've just been in Singapore. You've just been in New York. You've been in Beijing. So a typical day, there probably isn't one. But, but what are you doing at the role of a creative director? What does that actually encompass? It's been a pretty mad um, period at the moment. Right now, in fact, I mean, just before getting in the car coming here, I was in the studio with the team um, in Victoria in our head office designing the end part of our autumn winter 14 collection. So we're just wrapping things up right now. Um, inspiration, we draw in inspiration from everywhere. I have got a great team of people who work with me. Um, we all work really hard. We have a laugh and that's the main thing. Um, at the end of the day, it's a job, but it's a job that we really love. And I think that's the main um, factor of working hard. Um, in terms of turning things around, keeping things fresh, we take everything very seriously, but at the same time, when um, we see the collection, we always ask ourselves, can we do better? Um, and often the answer is, it's only be between myself and my team, we question. Um, we can always do better. And are you trying the shoes on yourself all day long? Are you trotting around the office in 55 pairs of shoes? And what are your favorite <laughs> pair of shoes is what I wanted to know. Because that you're is, a mom, you're a, a career very woman. So you probably, you're probably, I mean, for me, Jimmy Choo, is, there's something for every area of my life, whether it's the Tokyo sneaker, which I have many pairs of, or the heels, or the boots. I mean, you've really, you've, got, you've moved away from doing just a classic stiletto, which I think maybe in the days of Sex in the City, it was a little mm. bit more that it was Jimmy Choo was just a dressy shoe for a girl who liked her heels. Whereas now Jimmy Choo is actually, it's a 24 seven kind of a, of a wardrobe that you've created. We have shoes for every single hour of the day. I mean, take, my, take me for example, I'm a busy person, I go to work. I have to drop my, uh, my child off in the morning. So I start off the day with a pair of skater shoes, as you call them, the, the sip-on pimpsel type thing, Jimmy Choo, of course. Um, and then I will get into the office, depending on the day and the meetings, you, you change as, as you go. I mean, the way that I see the woman, modern woman's lifestyle is there's lots of changes and, and it's fun to actually include lots of things rather than just the high heel stiletto. I mean, we're very good at doing it, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I think it's also important to address every aspect of a modern woman's life. Um, and besides, it's not just about women's shoes anymore. No. And I'm sure that a lot of your men, I mean, men's and women start to become a blur actually now anyway, isn't it? Everything <laughs> moves across more. How have, how have things changed? What, what a woman wants to wear from when you began in 1996, let's say the kind of Princess Diana days when it was very much, it was more that, you know, this sort of the power suit, I suppose. Mm -hmm. How, how in, your, in your experience has fashion changed for women? What are their needs now? How have those things changed? Um, I think flexibility and you, we move around a lot more. We do many things. I mean, women naturally, we're multitasker. Right. Um, <laughs> we have, we try to fit everything in, um, in the busiest day ever. Um, I think changes change. And at the same time, I find that fashion today is more experimental. You can actually mix high street and luxury or at the same time designer labels and so on. Is you, you make how you want to make it. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, I might be biased, but I, I believe that accessory-wise for shoes and handbags, you need to, to go for quality. Mm -hmm. And going back to favorite shoes, I mean, for me, today I'm walking around because I've, I, I've been in the studio all day and I like to 
be tall because I'm little. I'm in my wedges, but uh, Jimmy Choo wedges, of course. <laughs> um, naturally, I think I'll, my favorite thing is really a pair of pointy toe palm that we do really well and come in different heel heights. I can so go a, from flat. A, yeah, there's a style called the Anouk, which has yes. gone stratospheric. Why do you think that is? It's become this classic shoe of the decade. <laughs> Everyone, everywhere I go is the Anouk. It's a classic court shoe, as you would probably call it. Yes. What, why has that gone stratospheric? What are you guys doing that other people aren't doing? That a shoe like that becomes, I mean, it's, it's a sign of the decade. It really is. It's the simplicity. I think you, you can trust that shoe to carry you through whether you're wearing a skirt that is to your knee right. or a pair of fitted um, jeans, skinny jeans or leather pants that I'm wearing. It's the flexibility that it provides. Mm -hmm. The thing about the perfect wardrobe that we have created, the plain palm itself, even the Anouk that you're talking about, come in 120 millimeter, which is pretty high. But we specifically designed that silhouette into different heel heights. So it's not just for that one person who can wear those high heels. It looks great, but it comes in all the way to flat as well. So you can play with a single silhouette. And the cut, okay. I think the cut is very important. Yeah. The cut for me is important because it determines um, how much you want to show off and how much you want to keep behind um, in terms of what I call the neckline of the shoe. Well, what I've seen from your, from your shoes is that the your fans, your customers really, really love them. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your social media presence because I don't know if any of you know, I mean, Jimmy Choo is a British brand and we should all be very, very proud here in Britain that this brand is British and it began in Britain. And I think that some people lose sight of that because it's so global that actually people forget that it was born in England. But I think something that's really, really, I'm very proud of on your behalf is how, how huge your social media is and how loyal your followers are and how active they are. And mm. I, I actually uh, did a couple of Twitter, Instagram takeovers for Jimmy Choo earlier this year. And I would go into their account. I was at Glastonbury, for example, and I did a kind of takeover. And the number of likes per <laughs> picture, I mean, it was just a total trip. And, and it wasn't just the number of likes, but everyone was so vocal and so keen and so full of praise mm. and so wanting to celebrate what they'd seen. There's mm. this real loyalty and a real passion. And actually, for me, when I left Glastonbury, I don't know whether I was sad because I was leaving Glastonbury or that I had to leave the Jimmy Choo Instagram account and go back into my own from 5,000, 12,000 likes for a photograph down to a few for my own. And mm -hmm. I, I really felt this real power. And I, I wanted to congratulate you on that. In fact, the figures, I mean, 2 million followers on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Twitter, 472,000. That's probably changed today. Instagram, 385,000. And that will change today. You have a YouTube channel. There's a lot of global luxury brands out there who would absolutely, who would want to do what you've done, mm -hmm. but they haven't quite achieved it. And so I just wanted to ask you how much you value that and, and how it came about, because it's really very, very impressive. Well, first of all, we're very proud of those numbers. <laughs> I mean, they're um, hard to get. They're really hard to get. I think everyone will agree that we all talk about these huge brands. But if you actually look at, what, at, the, at the numbers, a lot of people, they just don't have this kind of presence. I, I, I hope it's down to the content that we put together in the, in the, all the imagery that you see, as well as, I guess you guys just love what we do. And at the same time, 
we represent a brand very much of our time. Um, I often say that um, oops, this is this is the generation whereby Sets in the City, this is a Sets in the City's generation, is very modern. Um, you all want to know what's going on. You all want to take part of what's going on. There's lots of opinions out there which we respect and it's very helpful to actually read back on some of those comments, however small or large it is, whether it's likes or criticism, it doesn't really matter. People have their voice. Um, it could be very distracting, but we totally um, respect those, every single opinion. And at the same time, we adore our fans. and Because they're really fans. I would say that they're, fan they're not just customers and they're not just um, you know, passers-by. I mean, these are die-hard fans. And they really, really, you have a real relationship with them. <laughs> and I'm one of them. Many times that when we ever post an event onto the, the actual website or um, uh, Instagram or uh, Facebook, we always often get asked, Why, where's my invitation? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so there is a real communication back and forth between us and, and the audience. And that is something that we respect. Good. Okay. Well, long may it continue and long may it last. I have no idea how fantastic. it all come about, but it just happened. Yeah. <laughs> so we must be doing something right. You're definitely doing something right. Definitely. And actually, the, 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 I would just say the quality of the photographs, are it, it, they're very beautiful. They're very beautiful. Even every time I look at them, I go, oh, look at that shoe. <laughs> um, right. I am going to open up to the audience for some questions now and um, we'll just talk a bit with the audience. If you would like to ask a question, just put your hand up and someone will pass you the microphone. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, what are the three shoes that you think every woman should own? Good question, yes. That's not fair. <laughs> um, lots. I think I talked about this shoe called a nuke, which is the perfect pointy-toe stiletto pump. I think for a girl coming of age who turned into a woman, you should always learn to walk and a pair of high heel shoes. Um, it gives you, it empowers you. It gives, it changes your the way your posture is and the way that you take yourself. It gives you more confidence. That's that's one of the things that um, you do feel different when you put on a pair of heels. And then I think um, statement flat shoes, flat shoes running around, and that's very much my staple. Um, and probably boots. I think boots. It's versatile, it um, changes the look, um, it gives you a, a bit more movement rather than being too unbalanced. Um, I personally move around quicker in a pair of boots and um, by listening to what I'm saying, you, you can tell that I'm quite an action person. Well, you must be, you must be to be where you are today. Okay, thank you, thank you very thank you. much. Next question, one here on the left. Um, do you think you need to go to fashion college to have a career in fashion? Yes and no. <laughs> um, I would love, would have loved to go to school. Um, I should have. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. Um, I I was a dropout, and I'm proud of to say that and not because I think I believe in if you go to school, you probably will um, be meeting lots of different people in your peer group. And at the same time, whether it's a, there's a photography student or another student in, in, in communication, you all become friends. And you move in your cycle as you grow your career. And you will always have those friends around you. And I know many um, 
many associates of mine who has actually moved around in, from, from in their career with friends that they actually made from college. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, yes, you should go to school. And in my case, I didn't. Um, um, but I, 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 I wish I did. <laughs> Who were some of who were some of the peers that from your central St Martin's days that have actually I survived? Think, well, should I, I say in the world of fashion or uh, emerged as stars in, in the world of fashion? I did foundation at St Martin. I got into the, um, the uh, degree course. I lasted probably a few weeks and never turned up for any lessons. So don't quote me. I think I was at um, in the same year as Stella. Okay. And Phoebe. Great. <laughs> I was I'd, actually I'd talking the other day with Mary Katransu about Central St. Martins and mm -hmm. how it has produced this incredible level of talent and how the, the driving horse behind that is probably Professor Louise Wilson. Absolutely. Was she there in your day? She was there. She yes. was there. You wouldn't forget her if she But was. I didn't know her at the time okay. because I was there only for two weeks and okay. then I just thought, okay, enough. I need to go back to the studio and help to make shoes. And actually in these days now, I think that in the world of of, of being an apprentice and internships where everybody's actually really working hard to provide those to people. What I've seen is that it's really important for companies like Jimmy Choo mm. to pass that on yes. and, and to teach the young because actually there's a huge phase when everybody was taught and it's also really hard now for everybody. So companies like yours that are kind of helping the young come mm. through, mm. it's very, very important, I think, especially in Britain. I myself believe in education and um, we... Jimmy Choo Company actually taking quite a lot of interns. Good. I really support that. Just want to say, good. I personally am interested in what they do and where they come from, what they want to do. In fact, I mean, a few of my um, uh, designers who actually interned with us. So it doesn't matter who you are. Um, for me, is if you have the skill set and you have the passion, that is already enough to, yeah. to take the challenge on. Yeah. And yeah, who knows? <laughs> you give someone a chance and it's up to them whether they take it or not. Yeah, yeah, very true. Okay, thank you. Right, we'll have another question. Hi there. Um, Hello. Where do you see your menswear collection going in the next year or two? Ooh. Um, the can we just, before we answer that, can we just establish when you launched menswear and why it's such a big thing for Jimmy Choo? It's, it's a, new, a big new thing, isn't it? Yes. We yeah. launched the collection two years ago. And we've just opened our flagship store in London on Dover Street. Um, the, the theme behind the whole men's aesthetic is very much based on London, actually, is the Mayfair Playboy that we like to um, put it in, into words. We love a Mayfair Playboy. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic with a twist. Um, I think for menswear, it needs to be authentic. Um, for me, it needs to be respecting what is supposed to be men's. The way I see it is I don't think it's about decoration. Um, it's in transition at the moment because I'm re-looking at the men's collections and I want to really establish uh, what it should be. But the Englishness needs to come back and really play a, a strong um, uh, direction on the menswear. Talking of collections, I just wanted to touch upon one thing. There's a, there's a trend at the moment that I see really emerging where accessories designers are actually starting to have catwalk shows. Mm. It used to be just, obviously, clothing designers. Um, I spoke earlier that in Apple to Anya Hindmarch, who'd had her first collection on the London catwalk mm -hmm. schedule, on the London Fashion Week schedule. 
Is that something that would appeal to something like someone like Jimmy Choo, that you have actually a catwalk show, or is that for you a, a huge diversion and a, and, a, and a waste of energy? Uh, we present our collection for press in Milan. Um, we have discussed whether to bring it back to London because we're London-based and so on. Um, we'd love to do something in London. And in terms of showing, we do do a full-scale presentation. We okay. might not be with models on a catwalk, right. but we do themes, up, um, um, backdrops, so that we can actually present the, the product in, in a complete uh, inspiration by a certain mood. Okay. Okay, so you do that twice. You do that every season, right? Yes, now. we do. Yeah. Twice, twice, twice a year, and in Milan at the moment. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have you in London too. <laughs> okay. I know there's lots of more questions. Gentlemen here, please. Thank you. Um, do you have any plans to uh, partner with any retailers, like retailers again, like you did with H and M? And do you feel that dilutes the brand at all? Depending on who the partnership could be. Right now, we don't. Um, we've just done one actually with the sunglasses with Carrera. Um, I know it's not retail, but it's, it's a, a sense of collaboration. And in fact, we've, uh, we have done the whole campaign for digital. Um, and that was really successful. And it kind of reached out to a different audience. So it's all depending on what project that comes along and we will decide whether we take it on or not. Um, I hope that you must get question. asked to collaborate on a lot of things. Mm. And what's your what's your deciding factor? Just if you if you if there's a passion there, is it a passion? Is it an opportunity that we can take, or is it a different audience that we want to reach out? Does it com is it compatible to what we're planning to do in terms of the bigger picture? Um, right. We have themes every year that we want to kind of stay in tr on track on, mm -hmm. and um, we look at the bigger picture rather than. Uh, whether whether is is the name um, yeah. of the of the project? Okay, okay, thank you. Um, I saw another one here, just here, please on the left. Hello. Obviously, Hello. a lot of people admire Jimmy Choo, but what designers do you most admire? Personally, <laughs> I love um, Simone Rocha. She's new. She's English. She is. Um, very fun, fresh, girly. Um, I think she's going to go a long way. And then... That's, that's John Roche's daughter. Yes. Is it the, yeah. Yes. yes. Um, and then Alexander McQueen. Um, I really love the way that he has put so much passion and um, skill into sculpting all his work. Um, I think the way that he's built his brand is truly to what he thought it is supposed to be. I have a lot of respect for mm. that um, for that label. Mm. Me too. One of my faves. Um, are you are you actually up with all the the new emerging names? Do you make it? Are you hopping off to catwalk shows all the time? How do you how do you get your information? That's quite new for me. Okay. <laughs> when I can actually have time to, um, I like to look out what what is what is coming, what is going on, and in terms of trend, um, effect of fashion. Because at the end of the day, it is fashion we're working yeah. in. Yeah. Um, I like to keep everything new, fresh, and have a certain spirit at Jimmy Choo. I mean, I've just. It's, it's, it's strange to say that I've just taken on the brand. I mean, I've worked an, at, at the brand for 17 years, but I have taken sole charge of the brand since beginning this year. So I'm in the middle of 
sifting out what I would like to do in terms of the future. You must have had all sorts of ideas from the very beginning. I that mean, you have <laughs> been a constant there from the very, very start. And now it's your time to really steer the ship and lead the ship. You must have had a lot of ideas that you've probably saved Saved and now it's time to exercise them. <laughs> there are them lots of practice. ideas, right or wrong, there are lots of ideas. But I think um, it's the longevity that's what, what I'm interested in, yeah. in terms of um, steering the brand into. Okay, thank you. Um, another question. I saw another hand earlier. Gentleman just over here on the right, please. Hi. If, if Hello. You're if you're developing a new product, do you do much research or is it mainly just your own inspiration? Um, we usually go from here first. It is about what we feel, what is in here. And then the research come in terms of whether this is out there already, whether we can actually partner up with the expert. Um, it needs it need to make sense because we're designers. We're not artists. Um, whatever we're thinking about, it needs to function. That's, that's what the, the theory behind the whole thing is. What is luxury? You're, it's such a luxury brand. What does luxury actually mean in today's world to you? To me? Yes. Personal yeah, question. Personal question. Time. Time. <laughs> okay. Time is a luxury. Okay. Okay. And as a luxury brand, if you're selling luxury products, what's the difference between me buying a shoe from Jimmy Choo and me buying a shoe from the high street? What makes that luxury? I, I would say, I'm actually going to answer my own question. It's the experience of buying that shoe, like we've just talked about. It's mm -hmm. actually the people knowing my name or the people smiling at me or the people helping me without resenting me and puffing and panting and... <laughs> raising their eyes to heaven, which happens in a lot of English stores. I, but, I, but I mean, why, why is Jimmy Choo a luxury brand? What are you giving people that they can't get on the high street? I think it's the quality and the, the breadth of um, care into making the product and um, the sense of the whole, whole aura of the experience. I mean, you can see the Jimmy Choo store, the, the sense of we are, I, I guess, we're... Uh, aspirational brand um, we give pay attention to everything that we do okay. um, in terms of designing the, the, the type of material the finishing the, of the goods is all very important to us the attention to detail is is mm -hmm. key in terms of um, calling ourselves a luxury um, accessory brand yeah. we all our products are made out of Italy um, through all the factories that um, also look after many other brands as well. Um, so in terms of the types of um, finished goods that you're getting is the top, yeah, <laughs> at the top. And then the whole sense of just experiencing buying a pair of shoes coming in. I mean, even though that I, ju I just talked about having, you need to have that personal touch, but at the same time, our website is great. I'd, I had a go at it a few times now that it's launched properly. Um, the content in there is fantastic. You, you kind of emerge yourself into another world and it, it gives you that kind of escape factor right. of just living that fantasy for a moment. Mm. And I think that is luxury. Yeah, so if you can't afford the shoes, just go on the website <laughs> for sure. Um, I just wanted to ask about your vision for the brand over the next decade. Where do you see it going? Oh, the world is my oyster. Um, I think Kivara has mentioned that Jimmy Choo is quite multifaceted. Um, lots of people don't know uh, we are actually really good at designing biker boots, flat shoes, sneakers. Um, 
I think there's so much more to do than a pair of strappy stiletto evening number that you think of about Jimmy Choo. Um, I want to make sure that the brand has this 360 multifaceted um, twist so that we can um, accessorize a modern couple's wardrobe. And that is right now my mission. <laughs> so it's finding the right product, expanding into those areas, and at the same time, making sure that we don't pigeonhole ourselves and building the full picture for a modern luxury brand that we can actually accessorize. Are we going to have Jimmy Choo interiors and Jimmy Choo hotels or <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Choo holidays? Watch the space. Okay, great. I'll be booking. Talking of fabrics, I just want to ask, how, how has technology changed the way that you work? And is there anything brand new that's, that's coming? I mean, are the, are the crazy sort of man-made fabrics and God knows what, or are you staying to what, what you're used to? It's very exciting. Um, okay. Technology in materials, we're constantly trying to resource... Um, trying to actually develop lots of different types of material. W at the moment, we've been talking about uh, plastic that uh, can protect fur or um, okay. fluffy finish or uh, some, some sort of um, fragile te texture. So technology is key. Innovation right. is key in our world. Um, we have teams of people that, who are posted in Italy who actually look over that side mm. of things. Um, we have done metal uh, merge with um, Sway. Uh, right. <laughs> there are things that we dream of and we'll give it a go and try okay. and make sure that it's functional when we come to the design of the product. Okay. Well, now we're just going to end the talk with a, with a film actually that shows the new collection. We've been talking about all these shoes. Um, and the film is by a, a really fantastic filmmaker, British filmmaker, whose work I really respect, Ruth Hogben. Ruth, Ruth has worked for a while with, with British photographer Nick Knight, and she's a fantastic emerging British filmmaker. I'm very excited that you're working with people like that and supporting British talent and keeping it, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a, the British support. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about this film? This is, this is a, a new film that you commissioned Ruth to make that showcases basically the new collection. Yes, this is a film that we want to make to um, embrace and um, translate woman and strength on a pair of stiletto. Um, imagine yourself walking on air.
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very, very much for coming. A big round of applause to Sandra Choi. Thank you very, very much. <laughs>